Hey homies, it's uh, Pat here. I just wanted to pop on at the top of this show um, to acknowledge something we discuss later in the episode. Um, so when we recorded this podcast, I had chosen Bill's punter Matt Arisa as a potential special teams player of the year. Um, between the time we recorded this podcast and when we'll be posting it, um, this player uh, has been accused of some very, very um, awful crimes. I'm not going to kind of go into them in depth here. Really appalling stuff, though. Uh, you, can, you can look it up. You all have the internet. Um, I just want to acknowledge um, the, the severity of these claims, uh, how, how important it is to kind of acknowledge these. Um, and, you know, he's since been cut by the Bills, so they are obviously taking these claims pretty seriously as well. Um, but, you know, I kind of just felt like I needed to say something at the top of the show because we talk about this player very glowingly. And um, I probably wouldn't have mentioned them at all if I had known about these accusations. So, um, you know, take what you hear with a grain of salt. I was unaware of these these charges um, at the time of the record. And um, please just, yeah, recognize that I, I wasn't aware of kind of the, the serious, serious things these this man has been uh, accused of doing so um yeah thank you thank you as always for your grace and enjoy the episode what's good and welcome to episode 30 of the helmets hoops and homies podcast i'm matthew garcia here with my co-host and homie the hoops guru patrick moore what's good p moore what up homie how you doing i'm good my guy how are you i'm doing good uh glad to be back just uh one week later we're getting back into our regular uh you know recording cadence so uh, yeah, definitely excited to talk uh, some hoops and pigskin today. What's new with you? Uh, same old, same old. It's good to be back doing uh, doing our show regularly after that that month off. Um, yeah, there so we it's go. fun. To, it's fun to get back and do what we love to do. So yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, we should we should pop things off. Uh, what are you drinking this week? Uh, it's a special episode, so I got a. Uh, my my version of champagne, the uh, Canada Dry Zero Sugar. So. Ah, beautiful. That is the champagne of uh, soft beverages. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a High Noon, that's a vodka and soda in a can, uh, a kiwi, kiwi made with real fruit juice, so kiwi-flavored High Noon. So mm. these are good. I, I'm just like – you. You drink enough beer and you just feel full all the time, and you're like, I just want something lighter. <laughs> so this is like it. Kind, it just tastes like kind of like a flavored seltzer or something like that. So it's kind I mean, of nice. you never disappoint, homie. That's all I can say. Yeah. There we go. All right. All let's right, so let's, uh, let's get it popping. All right. So cool. this is episode thirty. So as we like to do, we're gonna talk about some famous uh, players in the NFL and the NBA who've worn the number thirty. So let's go ahead and start it off with the NFL. So some past players who have worn number 30. Um, Terrell Davis, Clark Hinkle, Ali Madsen, Bill Willis, and some fun ones, uh, Todd Gurley, who I still can't believe is not in the league, and Icky Woods, the Icky Shuffle, one of the best, uh, one of my favorite uh, touchdown dances of all time. And then uh, for current or these players who wore this this past season, we have Jesse Bates III, safety for the Bengals, Austin Eckler, the rock star, running back rock star, Chuba Hubbard, 
Dearness Johnson, Jason McCourty, who just retired. So congrats to him on a career. And running back Jamal Williams. Now, going over to hoops, some past players in the NBA who've worn number 30. I uh, have quite a list here. There's a lot of uh, fun names. We have Michael Beasley, Judd Bushler, who was on those uh, that second three-peat with the Bulls, ML Carr, Del Curry. I got a feeling we're going to hear that name again pretty soon. Uh, Blue Edwards, Bob Gross, Sweet Lou, Lucius Harris, uh, a P more special here, Bernard King. Uh, some players that I like, Kerry Kittles, George McGinnis, Hall of Famer, Billy Owens, Terry Porter, Clifford Robinson, Tree Rollins, Kenny the Jet Smith, Garen Sheed, Rashid Wallace, and David West. And then for the players who wore number 30 this past season in the NBA, we have uh, Corkscrew, Furkan Korkmaz, Orange Julius, or Orange Julius, if you're from the East Coast, Julius Randle, um, our guy, Mutton Chops, Seth Curry. And this other player, it took me a while to think of it, but it's um, somebody named Wardell Stephen Curry II, if you've heard of him. Had to look up his numbers, but he's pretty good. So those are our our famous number 30s in hoops and pigskin. Uh, what are your thoughts, Pat? Yeah, starting with pigskin, uh, Terrell Davis. He's a pretty uh, big, big name. Uh, you know, pro- uh, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame off the top of my head, but I would assume so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's big. Icky, that's great. Like the Icky Shuffle, probably the all-time best touchdown celebration. If I if I had to argue, it was just like so fun and like original. So uh, definitely, definitely love those. For hoops, uh, never heard of any of those guys. So. obviously a pretty uh loaded list of names there um yeah i didn't know dell i didn't know dell wore uh 30 i would i don't know i i'm trying to remember if seth wore it when he was at duke maybe because now he's 31 but he might have just always been you know 31 no he was Uh, he was 31 he was 30 to start and then he was 31 with philly and then we got traded to brooklyn he went back to 30 so he's 30 okay so he is primarily 30 so yeah that's a big Big Curry number, but yeah, other some other really good players in there. Rashid Wallace, obviously. Sheed, he's he's a legend. Um, and yeah, uh, you you mentioned McGinnis. He's a, I think a Hall of Famer. So there have mm-hmm. been some thir- there have been some thirties in the sport. It's funny we were in like we were very much in football categories, like football heavy numbers, like twenties, high twenties, and then we get to thirty, and it's like. It, it switches over, and then there's all these hoopers. Kind of funny how yeah. that works. So many great names on there. Your guy, uh, Orange Julius. Yeah, say a word or two about him. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I, I hope. You know, I don't think we're gonna get the version of him that we got in what, what was it two years ago. But um, maybe we can get something better than last year. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a, it's a pretty low bar given what we is. saw last year. We were both very low on it, so. It, it can only go up from here, hopefully. So yeah, gosh, I hope so. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe the addition of Brunson and having a real point guard to get him the ball in his spots and just have another threat to score will help. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, he's like kind of I don't know. Uh, he's not in Knicks fans' good graces right now. We're not really happy with him. Um, 
at the moment. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. He can always win us back. We're always open to that. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely some good thirties in there. What are your thoughts? Anyone stand out? Uh, besides what you already said, um, Kenny the Jet Smith, of course, everybody knows him from you know the TNT pre and post game now, and he also had that really dope flat top back in the day. If you remember that, <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish he would bring that back. I don't know if he can bring that back now, but I wish he would. <laughs> I don't think so. It was yeah. dope. It was it was like it was perfectly flat. I loved it. Um, and then uh, Terry Porter is a is a pretty oh, yeah. uh, pretty important name, I'd say, in Portland basketball history for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say probably maybe the greatest hoops uh, family of all time, the Currys, all were 30. So, mm. And they got yeah. progressively uh, – I mean, of course, we know that uh, Stevie, how good he is. But, I mean, Seth has gotten really good. And Dell was a good player too. He won six man. Yeah. He shot uh, 40% from three for his career, which is, you know, back when he played the three – because uh, if you remember when we were growing up, if a guy shot like 33% from three, that was considered really good. Yeah, you're like, like, a good oh, three-point nice. shooter. Now it's like, yeah. eh, not really. You know what I mean? So to shoot 40, I think when he was playing in the 90s and so, and he was on those really fun Hornies teams with our guy Muggsy and uh, Grandma Mallory Johnson and Zoe and all that. So, yeah, it's, it was a good list. That was a, a much better list than I thought it would be. Of course, we knew who would be on it. But some of the other names too. I was like, oh yeah, they did wear thirty. And the same thing for um, pigskin, uh, Icky Woods. I love the Icky Shuffle. Yeah, that one. Uh, I love the Gronk Spike too, though. So, but the Icky Shuffle is so fun. It's probably the most fun I would say is the Icky Shuffle. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the legendary. best dance. It's the best dance. Yeah, I'll say it's the best dance. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. So we want to give him some love as well. So yeah, it was a great number. Um, and we'll see. When we get to 31, I can think of already some off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, some fun stuff. Any closing thoughts on the numbers before we move on, homie? No, no. Let's let's uh, let's get to it. Let's lay some up. All right. So we're going to uh, shoot some hoops. So I'm going to pass the ball over to the guru of gurus, the hoops guru, P. Moore. So, Pat, what are we, uh, uh, what are we talking about in shooting hoops this week? All right. There's yeah. There's really only like one <laughs> one topic worth discussing at all, really, in hoops this week. Um, you know, there's summer leagues over. No more summer league. We're past the draft. We're past um, you know free agency. So it's going to be pretty slow um, for a while, and especially now given this this most recent news, which is that Kevin Durant, who had previously kind of requested a trade from the Nets earlier in the summer has now apparently met with the Nets brass and agreed to try to work together. And essentially the, the announcement is like, he's going to come back and he's going to play for us this season. You know, he's not, he's not holding out. He's not demanding a trade. We're going to just kind of get to it. So it's like kind of all this build up and, and hype for, you know, basically, you know, the status quo He's like, yeah, he's going to go back and he's going to play with us now, you know, I don't know. There's been a lot of uh, that. That's been a pretty tumultuous situation over there in terms of just personalities involved and all the Kyrie stuff. And it's just been kind of a, a circus, to be honest. Um, but it's funny. Yeah. They're just, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, Kyrie's going to get traded here and then Katie will go here and then they'll try to get rid of Simmons. And it's just like they're just, they're really just running back a pretty similar team to what they had last year. 
Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I guess that kind of shuts down some of the KD rumors for now, but I don't know. It doesn't mean he can't be traded, you know, before the deadline this year or next summer or whenever, but, um, it sounds like he'll be back in the, the, uh, you know, charismatic colors of black and gray, uh, of the Brooklyn Nets. So, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you kind of start with this one. What are your thoughts about this, homie? Uh, just given the kind of whole saga, you know, surrounding it. And, you know, does this change your opinion about the Nets or like Durant at all or, or any of that? Well, uh, since we love how much we love jerseys, I'll address that first. Uh, don't adjust your TV sets for listeners. Their colors actually are black and white. <laughs> so you know that's just the, i don't know why but that's the way it is so there's nothing wrong with your tv it's all good they are black and white so um for me it is it's it's a bad look i think for a guy a guy who already has a lot of detractors i would say and somebody who it just seems like he's just one of those players that's just not really happy anywhere and he just it seems to me like it's more of a personal issue than it is for as a, a team or an organization or a coaching problem. It just seems like wherever he goes, he's not happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always some sort of issue or storyline there with Oklahoma City. I mean, for good reason, I'd say on this one, they kind of chose Russell Westbrook over him, which we saw how moronic that is, and set the franchise back for a decade. So we saw that was wrong, but still. And we saw with the whole thing with Golden State. I won't go into that. We all, everybody knows it's been done thousands of times, talked about. And then with this issue as well, where um, we saw all the different ways that he could be unhappy. So we had with Oklahoma City, we had where he was drafted into a situation. So obviously you can't really choose that, but he did resign once. You know what I mean? And then you see he did choose to go to free agency to Golden State, and that situation happened. Then he went to another situation after he left Golden State's where he he got to basically run everything and choose everything to his liking. It was completely catered to what he wanted. Coaching staff, player signings, DeAndre Jordan got a contract, which we still are can't fathom how teams keep giving him contracts because I think he's he's at, at the end of his rope to be nice. And um so we can kind of see, like, it doesn't really matter what happens. He's unhappy. And to me, it's a bad look because it seems like teams, especially teams that had, you know, done really well in the draft and built from the ground up, like, you know, the Memphises and New Orleans, the two that stick out to me. And even Golden State, you could say, too. That's all. You know what I mean? A lot of that's built through the draft as well. They just felt like it's not the talent that he has is not worth the risk of what happens if in two years we don't win a title or even get to a finals, he comes to the front office and says, you know what, I'm not happy. I want out of here again. Then you gave up all these all these assets for a two-year rental. And I'm not saying he will do that, but it's possible. And I guess teams didn't want to take that risk. And I'm I'm curious what would happen with the Boston situation because I'm I'm wondering like where Brooklyn's head was that like if they were just dead set where we we're not going to trade them no matter what because I think the Jalen Brown offer plus a couple things more maybe is a pretty solid offer if you really want to get rid of the player so I mean I don't really know but I will say that I think he is a tremendous player I think he's top five player in the league especially talent wise he's one of the most um 
one of the most gifted offensive players I've ever seen. I think he's an all-time great, and I'm never going to take that away from him. But uh, I have to keep it real on the show, as we do. And I would say if I was running a team or I owned a team, I would not want him on my team. I just think that the the massive amounts of talent, which I will never, ever take away from this guy, does not outweigh the drama that's going to ensue eventually. It will happen. It could be a year. It could be less. Who knows? It's going to happen. It just seems to follow this guy. And I'm not trying to disrespect him. I think he's, like I said, a tremendous player. First ballot Hall of Famer, shoeing. There's just no doubt about it. He's amazing. You know, champion, MVP. I think he should have more MVPs than he does. Personally, we've talked about that before, too. He's just that good. But I don't know. Things just always go sour with this guy. And in terms of uh, – I'll just stick there before we talk about where do we see the Nets going forward next year, homie. But – uh, what's what's the hoops guru take on this? Like, do you do you feel me on this, or do you feel like maybe you're gonna want to go another direction with it? Yeah, no, I mean, I think him demanding a trade to begin with was like it was tough because it was like you you he has four years left on his deal. He's one of the best players in the league. If you're Sean Marks and you want to keep your job, like you have to get a giant return for him right? Like you can't get an underwhelming return for Kevin Durant. And so I think he kind of played it smart and was like, listen, like I did feel, I did try look for trades for you and they're not out there. And I think maybe this is something of a reality check for him. Like, Hey man, like the way you've kind of carried yourself in the league the last few years, like people are noticing, right? Like, and it comes off as pretty toxic and like, you know, it, it a lot of the teams he's on, it looks like he's not having fun. And it usually looks like a lot of other people aren't having fun. So it's like, I think this is a look in the mirror kind of moment for him of just like, hey, the teams didn't go offer their, you know, offer the, you know, everything for you, the, the, the entire, the entire house, right? Like, you didn't get, you didn't feel those kinds of offers. So I don't know if that'll change. That probably changed his perspective and why he's coming back to the Nets. But I don't know. My, my overall impression just even, even before this is that <clears throat> the one word I could use to describe Kevin Durant is fickle. Like he changes his mind all the time. And I just don't think he's someone who really is like, stubborn or set gets his mind set on certain things i think he like he's very like flighty and like ha, like has one idea one day and then has a very different idea the next day you know i think he's just kind of one of those dudes just based on what we've talked about like he keeps going somewhere like thinking that's gonna fix it it doesn't then he leaves again so it's just like it just doesn't seem like he yeah can really stay in one situation or stay in one place before like getting fed up with stuff, which is tough. Like that's dude, you're getting paid a lot of money. Teams want you all in not like having to worry if you're going to, you know, within four years already ask out again. And so I just think it was kind of a reality check. Um, I think it was a good job by the nets to just like, not get, you know, not panic and trade him for like, a not great deal. Now, like you mentioned the Jalen Brown deal. 
you know, that's probably as good as they were going to get, but they needed to get, you know, more picks and more of all that. And I think Boston was just like, no, like we're not, we're not doing that with Durant. We were just in the finals and we don't want to mess up our, our locker room or our culture. So um, yeah, it, it should be interesting. Like, I don't know how long this will last. I think the Nets team is going to be super, that locker room is going to be awkward as hell. Like it's going to be so awkward in there. Like, KD tried to get um, Nash and Marks fired. Kyrie, like, voluntarily didn't play half the year last year. Ben Simmons voluntarily <laughs> hasn't played for even longer. Uh, so, like, it's just going to be super weird. And I have a really hard time believing, like, that there's going to be good vibes in that locker room. I think it's going to be pretty – it's going to get pretty messy. Um, so – you know what? Like I was telling you, like on paper, on paper, they look like a good team. Like they look like maybe a top four or five team in the East. But then you just like when you take it, when you're like, oh, they have Kyrie, oh, and Durant, and like, oh God, and Ben Simmons. <laughs> like these are all guys who at various times have seemed like they just aren't somewhat uninterested in playing basketball. So it's just like I, I don't know. Um, they've got all the they've got great great talent, but I just. I don't know. So I'm not super high on the nets. I think maybe like they, maybe if they are good with injury and, and um, health and I don't know, like, you know, there's no, hopefully there's, you know, if there's no COVID mandate uh, vaccine mandate in, in, in New York or other cities, then they could be pretty good, but it just, it's hard to believe that it's going to work out that way. There's always something happening with that team. There's always some distraction. So um, that's yeah. my two cents. So uh, I just want to clarify a couple of the points that I made when I said that if I owned a team or I was, I was, you know, in the front office of a team, I wouldn't want him on my team. I'm speaking specifically if I'm a team who's a young up and coming team, I built through the draft. I built a culture. I like my coach and I wouldn't bring like, like for the teams, like yeah, I said, yeah. Memphis, Memphis, Golden State, New Orleans, teams like that. It doesn't make sense to me. But if I'm a team that's desperate to win in a win-now mode or a team that did not build to the draft, like I'll just use our hometown teams, the Bulls and the Knicks. If I'm one of those teams, and absolutely, I take them in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because we didn't build – We like, what are we – there's not really a culture necessarily. We didn't build to the draft, so we're not technically, um, you know – indebted to these guys you know what i mean they, they're not like homegrown players if, if you feel me on that so a team like that and absolutely uh you could even see a team like the kings you know what i mean where they've just been bad for so long why not but at other teams like i said i would not so i just want to clarify that i'm not trying to be like i would never want them just depends on what situation i'm in you know what i mean so there's that and then also, one of the things I was thinking of, I also I agree with you. I think the Nets they'll make the playoffs, and I think they should win a playoff series and they should get to the second round. But I don't know. They could uh, if they miss the playoffs, would I be stunned? No. If they made the conference finals, would I be stunned? No. But that's the whole thing. I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to decide he wants to be an astronaut and you know go to train at NASA or something before the series starts. I don't know if Kevin Durant's going to, you know, get into a Twitter beef with somebody or if Ben Simmons is going to, like, not want to play or his back hurts or something. Who knows? I don't know what I'm going to get. 
Uh, if Joe Harris forgets how to shoot in the playoffs like he did, you know, a couple years ago, I don't know what you're going to get. It's such a mixed bag. And uh, I feel like I've, I've talked about this off the show, but I don't know if I've said it on the show a lot. Uh, I'm not a Steve Nash uh, fan as a coach. Uh, I think he would have been much better off starting as an assistant coach somewhere with a proven a winning coach and then moved on maybe in two or three years and then possibly got a head coaching job like we see guys like Willie Green and, you know, Ime Udoka, guys like that. You know what I mean? And we see it's been successful so far. It's very early in their careers. But still, um, I think it was a detriment to him, especially with this type of team, with these big personalities. It, was, it wasn't it was a good situation for him. I understand why he did it, but I never really thought he deserved the job in the first place. He would have been much better off as an assistant for a couple years, learning under them, you know, the day-to-day, everything, because it's it's a lot. There's a lot of minutia to it, you feel me? So, like, uh, I, I think he's just – I think he was in over his head, and I just see there's a lot of moments in the playoffs where I feel like he's trying to figure out how do I balance all these personalities but also figure out, like, we're a very top-heavy team and roster. So I think he was kind of set up for failure. So, But, I mean, from what I've seen, I'm not impressed. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year Steve Nash is gone and they bring in somebody else. But I think regardless, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to win a title, but I really don't see it in the near future. I just don't. But um, I won't be surprised if they do. I won't be surprised if they don't. It's just kind of up in the air. But um, what are your thoughts, homie, really quick? Uh, if you're a GM, like, what, do you feel like how I feel? Like, depending on my team construction, I would want a guy like Kevin Durant, a player of that caliber, or is it just... I'll take them no matter what, or I wouldn't take them no matter what. Like, how do you feel about that? No, yeah, I think it's got to be, like, specific teams at at specific points in their, like, trajectory, you know. I think, like, that there were reports about him and the Grizzlies. Like, I think that's a bad idea. I think adding him to, yeah, like, a young team, like, the like, you know, he had gotten tossed out there with the Pelicans. Like, I don't think that's the right fit either. Like, I just don't. Yeah, I just uh, I, I don't think they have a really good culture going and you don't want to like toss that kind of mercur- mercurial like personality in there. Um, but like I think teams that have really strong cultures that like, you know, when he joined Golden State, right, there was a really strong team core and culture there. And so he was able to fit in and it wasn't like, you know, he, he couldn't, you know, he made it he made it damn awkward his last year there and, and pretty uncomfortable. But for the most part you know, they had something going already. And so that's why I think a team like Boston or like a team like Miami, right. That's really competitive, but needs, needs like a reliable go-to scorer. I think those are the types of teams that should want him. He got, he got thrown out there in like Toronto trades. I think that's another team that makes sense because they like have some young guys, but they're not completely young and they're like competitive, but they definitely aren't like competitive enough to like get, you know, you out of the second. So you know, they, that could be a one that makes sense as well. But, I, I, yeah, I think it would have to be a team that, like, is close, right, or has a lot of talent and and just needs that, like, one piece to put them over the top. But then this is where it gets complicated. Like, that team then has to be able to pay the price for Kevin Durant. Like, none of these teams can, right, or are, are willing to, right? Like, And that means, like, either – 
a bunch of really good players or like one star and a ton of draft picks, but it's like, it's going to be a lot. And so, you know, that's why he's not on a different team right now. Like the heat didn't have enough. Boston wasn't did Boston has enough. They weren't offering uh, enough for, for Sean Mark's liking, which is fine. Like they, they made their offer and it didn't get taken and that was it. So, I mean, I would imagine every single team in the league made an offer for Kevin Durant and, you know, it like realistically, like maybe not like Detroit or like Orlando, right? Like teams that have no shot, but like every team that thinks it's going to make the playoffs probably gave them a ring and made an offer and, and they didn't think any of them were good enough. So, you know, it's, uh, I think you, like what you're saying, like we're seeing it played out in real, in, in, in real life. It's just like, these, these these teams don't want to mortgage their future on a guy who might be completely checked out in 14 months or whatever it is, which is very reasonable, I think. Yeah, and I will say, like I said, I think he's a fantastic player, extremely talented. He's going to be go down as an all-time great talent. But I think it's a situation where I'm hoping that he, he, he – finds happiness or he gets into that part where he can actually like you know what i mean I'm not saying he's unhappy and he like hates you know being a hooper because we know how much he loves to play basketball but i'm hoping he can kind of grow as a leader mm-hmm. and just kind of take on that role because i mean when you're the best player you have to have at least some sort of leadership qualities and it's very rare that it works i think the only i mean even the guy like our that we you know the walking dead Kawhi leonard he, he i think he has some sort of leadership qualities he's just not um vocal about him in public yeah. i think but i think in the locker room he's like hey you know we need to do this we do that i mean he's a champion he's a great player he i mean i think he does but with kevin durant i think he defers a little bit too much for a guy as good as he is i feel like he needs to express himself more he's too good to just take a back seat to anybody i think so there's that and also i wouldn't be surprised if uh i don't think this is over i don't see him playing the next four years in brooklyn i don't so maybe he will uh, I don't see it though. But do you see him finishing out his contract in Brooklyn, homie? I don't see it. So. No, I no, I don't. I mean, I could see him staying in Brooklyn this year. Beyond that, maybe one more year. But it's just, and it just that it doesn't even work that way with NBA players. Like what usually happens is they get into, you know, one year left on their deal, and they're either so valuable that you're they're getting an extension, or they're you know, so washed that the team's just going to cut them and, and take the, take the hit, you know, financially. So no, there, there's, and with the guy like Katie, there's, I, I see virtually no chance he finishes out this contract with Brooklyn. Yeah. It, it's a, it's been an interesting situation and we'll see what happens, but uh, maybe yeah. we'll revisit this. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some chatter at the, at the all-star at the trade deadline or on the all-star break, maybe who knows. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah, what happens, right? Anything could happen. You know, like the Nets could be in first place in the East, you know, at a, around All-Star game. And then the vibes are all good. And all of a sudden, here's an extension for Kyrie. And it's, you know, you know like things do change. And like, you know, I, front offices do fall for like short-term success all the time where they're like, okay, like this looks good. You know, so I I don't think the Nets front office are that stupid, but I, you know, <laughs> it's crazier things have happened than that, right? Where it's like they get off to a really good start, and all of a sudden the team's like, "Cool, let's lock this in." 
that happens like I feel like a lot to and, and to, most of the time to a team's detriment. So um, I wouldn't be shocked, but we'll monitor the situation. We'll of course keep the listeners uh, up to date. Um, knowing KD, like in another three weeks, he'll be like announcing his retirement or something. So, you know, it's, you know, again, like, like I said, I think he's a pretty fickle dude. And I think, you know, his mind might change again very quickly. Um, So we'll, 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 you know, keep our ears to the ground on any uh, KD rumblings, but um, you know, again, basketball, basketball is not kind of the main, main really topic this time of year, just because of when it is. Um, we're, we're getting into, we're getting into pigskin season here, homie. So should we, should we take off our sneakers, lace up the cleats here? Yeah. So let's move on over to uh, our kicking it segment. So last show we talked about, we did our uh, preseason pigskin playoff picks. So say that three times fast. <laughs> um, and we gave the teams that we thought were going to make the playoffs and some reasoning why. So now we're going to do, what we like to do every year. We did this before we started the show. We're going to keep doing it. We, we love to do this. Our uh, Pigskin preseason awards picks. So this is basically who do we think is going to win the individual awards. And we also have some special categories, which I'll have uh, I'll have uh, uh, P. Moore go ahead and give the name he gave those. But I'll just give the, the categories that we're going to be talking about. So we have uh, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Executive of the Year. And then, uh, Pat, if you want to, I'll do a lateral here to you. If you want to go ahead and talk about our our bonus categories that we have as well, because we know we have to do, we got to be extra and do it our way. So what are some of our extra categories here? Yeah, so I like to call these our pigskin profit uh, honorary awards, uh, annual honorary awards, if you will. Uh, so for this, we do we do the coordinators. So we have offensive coordinator of the year, defensive coordinator of the year. A new one that we're 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 taking for a spin this year that I'm really excited about is special teams player of the year. Um, and then, just like there is a comeback player of the year, we're doing comeback team of the year. So uh, those are our, our pigskin profit honorary award categories. Yeah. So hopefully it uh it it should be a lot of fun, and we'll of course. Um reevaluate when the season is over before the playoffs start we'll go ahead and give our awards picks like <laughs> we did last season and laugh about how wrong we were especially yeah, you, man, probably. that was so, brutal last uh, i took home the award for uh for uh most awful prediction uh last preseason um with i had a uh, big city big city meyer winning coach of the year <laughs> so that was that was probably the worst pick uh of the last decade i'd say so I'll take that. I, very, I wear that very proudly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens this year. So we'll start with MVP. Uh, I can go first on this one, homie, before right. we get your MVP pick. Um, none of these were very easy. Mm-hmm. I took some chances on some of these ones. This one, I, I feel uh, it wasn't an easy pick, but I feel like I feel fairly confident about this one just based on the talent of this player. So my MVP pick for this upcoming season, I have uh, our guy, Stud Allen, the pride of Wyoming, Josh Allen, quarterback for the Bills, as my MVP pick. I just think it's it's that time for him. Uh, there's a preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl. They they are just constantly evolving. They added some nice pieces to the offense. I think he just looks phenomenal. I was watching him in preseason, 
It just looks effortless. I even sent you a video of a pass that he had made where it just looked absolutely effortless. He threw like a 50, 60 yard pass and made it look like it was nothing. So I just think that he's just so talented. The Bills are such a good team that they're going. He's going to be getting MVP buzz all year long if he plays to, to the caliber that we think he can. So I think I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going with Josh Allen from the Bills to win the MVP. So who's your MVP pick, Pat? Well, homie, we've got some uh, homie harmony going. Uh, I also picked Josh Allen. So Josh Allen is currently the betting favorite. I don't think it's necessarily like a out of left field pick. Um, I actually picked him last year for MVP too. Um, so you know we've been we've been definitely riding this this Josh Allen train for quite a bit, obviously. And I just didn't see enough reason to like remove him. He had a great year last year. I think, you know, it came down to to Rodgers and Brady for the MVP. But, you know, he he did have a great year. And I do think, you know, the, things are just lining up for 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 another great season in terms of both his his stats and kind of the the narrative, right? Like lost his offensive coordinator. Um, some of the offensive line is new, so, you know, he might not have as much support up front. Um, some receiver turnover, Cole Beasley's gone, Emmanuel Sanders is gone, two younger guys stepping up and Gabriel Davis and, uh, um, um, is it Isaiah, is Isaiah McKenzie? What's, what's the Isaiah McKenzie? Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. And so those two guys are now you know, they're massively, I think, talented players. They've both shown pretty big like spurts of, of, of potential. Um, so I think there will be some new faces and he'll still put up a ton of, a ton of numbers. Like he just, I think that offense is still going to be really good. He still has digs. You've still got a lot of the same pieces. You've got Ken Dorsey, who's, you know, the quarterback's coach before. So that's a pretty, you know, not too an abrupt a change for him where it's going to like, you know, mess him up at all. So, you know, there were other candidates, of course, like, will I be surprised if Tom Brady wins it? No, of course not. He's, he's, you know, don't, never be surprised about that. Aaron Rodgers always puts up really good regular season stats. So he'll always be, you know, he's always a threat to win it. Um, you know, and then other guys, you know, like uh, Herbert is a very, like, I feel like popular pick. Um, just because he, you know, he's going to pass the ball a lot. They're going to put up big numbers. Um, but, yeah, so so it could really go a number of different directions. Um, but, you know, historically what we know is it's going to be the quarterback for one of the best teams in the league. That's usually who gets the MVP, and I think Josh Allen fits that bill pretty nicely. That bill, get it? <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> and, yeah, I, and I think the additions of uh, Jamison Crowder – and oh, yeah, OJ Crowder. Howard are, are going to pay, you know, pay off big for the Bills. So. For sure. Yeah. So the offense is going to be, it's going to be humming, as I like to say. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So let's move on over to uh, offensive player of the year, and I'm, I'll let you kick this one off, homie. Who do you have as your offensive player of the year? Sure. Yeah. This one, I, I think, was one where it simultaneously makes a lot of sense, but it also makes me a bit nervous. My pick. So I'm, I'm going with. Debo Samuel for, for offensive player of the year. And, and I think the reasons are probably pretty clear to folks. Um, like he just has that, that, that potential to get a thousand yards on the ground and a thousand yards in the air. If they continue to use them the way they have, um, 
you know, he, he's, he's one of these guys that I just think like is in the right offense, you know, say what you will about Shanahan and his team's like ability to, you know, win big. I mean, they always have really good offenses. Like that's pretty hard to, even like with guys like Jimmy G on, you know, taking snaps. And so I do think like a lot of times when a, a younger quarterback comes into a situation, they, they latch on to favorite receivers. Right. And um, I, I just feel like I could see Samuel being like a really nice safety blanket for Trey Lance and as well as Shanahan, just scheming up a lot of like really cool stuff. Lance can run the ball too. So, you know, you can do some really cool option stuff uh, between him and Samuel move, move Samuel all over the formation. You've got like use chick there. And, you know, I just think there's not going to be a, a drop off from last year to this year. And, you know, he put up pretty amazing stats and numbers last year. So um, I'm going with Debo Samuel. Um, you know, there was the whole kind of contract dispute for a little bit, which maybe made it a little sketchy, but I do. I just think that offense is going to be really good again, and he's going to be moved all over the place and get a lot of yards on the ground and in the air and get a, get a ton of catches too. So um, that's, that's my pick for offensive play of the year. Um, but yeah, I'll turn it over to you. Well, we got the homie harmony again. I also, oh, have, wow. I also have Debo Samuel as my projected offensive player of the year for all the same reasons you said, homie. Um, I, I think, I think uh, Trey Lance is going to really, is going to lean on a guy like Debo Samuel, who's able to just kind of do everything. And I've said it so many times, Debo Samuel's just a, just a great football player, not necessarily just a good offensive player, just a great football player. He might be the best pure football player in the league. Just given off. He can do, like you said, he can give you a thousand receiving. He could maybe give you a thousand running as well. And you can just use him in so many different ways, situations, packages, and things of that nature. He can, can pretty much never come off the field. If Shanahan doesn't want him to come off the field. He can do everything. He can block, catch, run. You know what I mean? He's just that talented. So I think for a young quarterback, he's going to kind of lean on that a little bit. And I can see almost maybe a a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs kind of connection where that was like his big breakout a couple years ago was when they got Diggs and everything to start to click. I think for Josh Allen, I can see maybe something very similar with uh, Lancelot and uh, Debo Samuel. So I think it's a situation where, like you said, Shanahan's a great offensive mind. They're going to be they're going to be a very productive uh, offense as they usually are, and I think it's going to be beneficial to have someone like that in the team. And I think he can he can rack up a lot of yards and catches and things of that nature. So uh, I'm high in the Niners this year. I had them winning the NFC West. We'll see what happens, but I think uh, I think Debo Samuel's a uh, has a really good shot to win the win this if the season goes the way the Niners want it to go. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely one of those teams where I think we all think they'll be good, but people are kind of, just because the you know anytime you change quarterback and hand hand things off to a younger guy, like people are kind of like you know a little they don't know what to expect. So, uh, but I'm I I hope I get to watch a lot of their like that that team it's going to be fun to watch. I love Kittle. I love like Debo. And now that it's not Jimmy G back there and someone who maybe can air it out a bit, like, I don't know. That sounds, it sounds like must watch TV to me, to be honest. Yeah. That's, I think it's definitely going to be a team that you don't want to play. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. they're so good. They're so talented on defense and they're just, they're just a really complete team to me. Yeah. And, yeah, they are. and even if Trey Lance, 
I'm I'm really high on Trey Lance. We talked about that last week. Uh, I think if even if he's slightly better than Jimmy G, which I think he'll be much better, then you know you're in a good position to you know contend for a Super Bowl. So for sure. uh, let's move on to uh, defensive player of the year. This was a really tough one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the ones where I feel like I went out on a little bit of a limb, judging off the player stats. So I went with uh, uh, Max Crosby is my defensive mm-hmm. player of the year. I think the addition of Chandler Jones to also rush the passer in for the Raiders is going to be a, a really big benefit to a guy like Crosby who was pretty much their their sole edge rusher. I feel like it's going to take a lot of pressure off him because teams can't just scheme, okay, let's load the box on whatever side uh, Crosby's playing on. And then we can kind of, you know, we can kind of switch our offense to that side, the weak side. With Now with Chandler Jones, if everything goes well there, you can't really do that anymore. So I think it's going to give, it's going to have to hurry some passes on the offensive end. I think he's going to benefit from that, of having that additional star. And if the if the Raiders defense can be better than they were last year, which in the secondary they were pretty, they were they were f- fairly weak, I would say. I think it's going to be beneficial. So I think Max Crosby could have a breakout year. The most sacks he's ever had is ten, uh, but I think uh, I, he's obviously a very talented player. He's a monster. So I think he could be he could be due for a breakout season. So I'm going out on a limb here, not completely out on a limb because he's very talented. But I think. Uh, I think I could see some big things from him this season. So I'm going to go with Max Crosby as my projected uh, defensive player of the year. And uh, Pat, who do you got for your defensive player of the year projection? I went a very um, similar direction as you. Like, so, I mean, the chalk pick, right? You you could pick TJ Watt or you could pick Aaron Donald. Like, those two guys both have a pretty good shot of winning it again. Like, they're just – they're the two – I think they're two, the two best – defensive players in the league um, at any positions. So like, they're always going to be in the running, but you know, I didn't just want to pick chalk. Like that's not, that's not any fun. So I kind of went in a direction with you and you know, the guy I picked, I think in a lot of ways is, is similar to Max Crosby. I went with Joey Bosa on the chargers and it's a similar thing. Like both have been highly productive on their own um, on, on teams that have been, you know, both of those teams were obviously competing for a playoff spot in the final, uh, you know, week last last season. But, you know, not teams that haven't historically had like stack defenses and like uh, Crosby getting uh, Chandler Jones across across the line from him. Um, Joey Bosa is getting Khalil Mack on, on the other side of his line, who you know, is getting up there in years for sure, but he's still a very good player. Like, let's not get it twisted. His stats have gone down. He was, you know, even even on on those kind of Bears teams, you know, there was that kind of resurgent year when they went to the playoffs in 17. But even in the 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 years after that, when they weren't really any good, he was he was still he was still, you know, producing and still, you know, getting to the quarterback and and getting pressure. So I just think those two guys, like that's kind of the recipe for a big breakout for a pass rusher is when they can no longer target just you. And the Chargers have done other stuff on their line. They've, they've, they replaced two of their interior linemen with, with kind of run stuffers. So, um, you know, they've got a kind of revamped defensive line. And 
I just think, you know, Bosa, like Crosby, has the talent and now is in a situation. Uh, he's got a very aggressive head coach. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to really be uh, given a lot of chances to rush the passer. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking Joey Bosa. and um, But, yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Crosby, if it was TJ Watt, if it was Nick Bosa, if it was Aaron, Aaron Donald, you know, all, all those guys have a shot. Yeah, that's a great pick, homie. I think uh, I think the Bosa brothers, when they're healthy, are some of the best defensive players in the league. Either one of them, and I, I like I do like the addition of Khalil Mack. He's just a veteran, and I I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. So that was a great pickup, uh, to the detriment of my hometown team, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah, great pickup for the Chargers. <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. And like I said, the Bosas are really great, and. Um, one thing I just wanted to add about the Crosby pick, I think the addition of Patrick Graham as the DC mm, for the yeah. Raiders is a huge, a huge pickup for them. I think they have a, a really, uh, a very talented defensive coordinator who I think will be a head coach soon. I think so. I think the addition of him uh, is going to make a, it's going to pay dividends. I think for the Raiders this year. So I just want to give that, give Patrick Graham some love as well. Um, so let's go on. Let's move to the offensive rookie of the year. And I'll kick it over to Pat. Pat, who do you have as your offensive rookie of the year projected? So this one was really tough um, for a couple of reasons. If you just look at the draft last year, it was not, I would say, an offense, let's say a skill position rich draft at the top. First receiver went at eight. That was Drake London. He's going to Atlanta where he'll catch passes from Mariota and maybe Desmond Ritter, but probably just Mariota. And, you know, I just don't think that offense is going to be particularly explosive or high scoring. I mean, they they might be okay. They could be good, but um, I just don't see it. And, you know, so there's not a ton of the, like, really, like, star, I feel like star quality um, receivers going into great quarterback situations. Same thing with running backs. I mean, like, any of – any guy from the second through sixth round can be a breakout candidate for a running back. So it's just hard, hard to predict that. So I kind of was just like, well, who's, who's the quarterback who's going to play, right? Like, is there a rookie quarterback who's going to play? And I ended up going with Kenny Pickett because I think he has the best chance of seeing the field as a rookie. I don't know if he's going to be the best rookie quarterback. Like, you know, if you argued it was, you know, Malik Willis or if it was, um, you know, yeah, if it was Desmond Ritter, I, I would be like, fine, I don't watch a ton of college football. I can't can't even argue about that. But I do just think he's going to be a guy who like, you know, with Trubisky, I, I just find it really hard that the Steelers are going to sit back and let that guy start 17 games. Like it just like it, I'm trying not to be mean, but like he, he, it's just hard to watch him sometimes. And I just can see them like having a competitive defense and being like, we got to get something out of the quarterback position. And, you know, even in desperation, just being like four weeks in, Hey, pick it, go out there. You know, he's, he, he played for Pitt. You know, he, he is considered, I think more pro ready, if not high upside. So I'm going to go with, with Pickett. Um, do I think he'll put up, like have an all time rookie season the way, you know, Herbert did or, you know, like anything like that? No, not at all. But I do think like he's got the most chance to make an impact on his team amongst offensive players. And, you know, if I was being completely objective and like not taking into account precedent, 
I'd pick one of these offensive linemen. Like, if we're being honest, one of those guys is more likely to be immediately good, like one of the guys taking, you know, the top 10 than anyone else. But, like, those guys don't win this award. And and so I'm just being realistic here. So um, kind of a cop-out, to be honest. I'm not I – don't, I don't love this pick, homie, but it was just – this was a hard one for me. So I'm really curious to see who, who you have for this. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, Kenny Pickett, depending on if and when he starts, could uh, I think he's a similar ceiling to me as of a, a McCorkle Jones, Mister Sixty Seven Percent Completion Percentage. Uh, he's in that he's in that category, I think, where he's pro ready, but he's not going to really wow you at any point. He's going to be really consistent and solid. So I think I think it's a good pick, homie. I don't think it's a bad one, especially if he does play soon. Uh, I went with somebody – I would have uh, – if you would have told me Malik Willis was a starter in Tennessee right away, week one, I would have went with him because, I mean, I like his upside. I like his swag he's got. I think he has – he's a very raw player, similar to like a Trey Lance where it's a bit of an unknown what you're going to get. I'm not saying they're the same type of talent level. I'm just saying that they're – it's it's unknown what you're going to get. He played at Liberty. It wasn't exactly the greatest competition every week. But the talent is undeniable, I'd say, there. So that's kind of a toss-up. But he's not going to start. It looks like it's going to be Tannehill again, um, which I'm sure the Titans fans are ecstatic about. So I'm going to go with, uh, like with you, it was a tough one. I'm going to go with the wide receiver here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Chris Olave from, from the New Orleans Saints. And I think my logic here with this is that uh, if uh, famous Jameis Winston stays healthy the whole year, takes care of the ball. Uh, I think they're going to be a pretty uh, pass-happy team with the, with Michael Thomas coming back, hopefully healthy. And I think him being a true number one is going to get uh, – Chris Olave won't have to take the number one corners on every play. He's going to be at the number two corner, and it's going to help him because they might even get some doubles on Thomas because he's that talented. And it's going to open up a lot of um, throwing lanes for Winston and also some maybe he can get behind a defender and – Takes them to the house for Olave, so I'm going to go with that. I like his talent. I've seen what I've liked what I've seen, you know, in training camp and the preseason things of that nature. I think he's really talented, and I think the situation's pretty good with Dennis Allen as the head coach. I don't think too much is going to change there necessarily in terms of culture. And I think giving Winston a full year healthy with the other weapons that they have and with Thomas coming back to take some of the pressure off the rookie. I think I think it's possible he has a nice season, puts up over a thousand yards. It's possible. So I'm gonna go with that. I guess, like I'm, I agree with you, homie. I'm not really, um, you know, set in stone for me with this pick, but I just felt like I almost had to go by default to an extent, because like you said, there's no guys like Evan Neal or Kwonu and those guys. They just don't win, even though they're extremely valuable to a team. So I went with the uh, wide receiver here. So I'm gonna go with uh, Chris Olave from uh, yeah. New Orleans and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I, he was the he was probably going to be my my next option. I was looking at him closely. Just um, yeah, I, I do think for me the thing that stopped me was just a lot is up in the air for the Saints. You know, Jameis is coming. He looked really good in the games he played last year. Like like legit, really good. Um, but now Sean Payton's gone, and you know I think he that that's that I don't I think that departure is being overblown a little bit. Like you know all the guys who are still there are familiar with his system, but, but I do think it does matter a bit. And I just don't know, like what, you know, what's, what's come is Camara going to play. Is he going to be suspended? Is he healthy? 
Mike Thomas, like he hasn't seen the field. So to me, it was more about like just a lot of unknowns. But I do think of all the like skill position players, he'd be the one I'm least surprised. He was good in college. I do remember watching Olave in college and being really impressed. Um, you know, that doesn't always translate to the NFL, but um, yeah, I do think he he has he'll see time and he'll get targets. And you know, say what you will about Jameis and his turnovers, like he gets guys the ball, he throws it a lot, and and you know, his receivers get get targets. So um, yeah, I I wouldn't at all be shocked to see Olave win the award. Um, that that would that would be probably actually in some ways less surprising than Pickett winning it. Yeah, uh, I I think that speaks for both of us. We're both Jameis believers in his talent. Just kind of has to uh, dial down the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I think you're underselling uh, Taysom Hill at tight end this year, homie. I think you forgot about that. <laughs> huge, yeah, uh, huge move, huge addition to the pass catchers there. So, um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So let's move on to uh, defensive rookie of the year, and I'll kick this one off. Uh Another tough one for me. This was a really, really rich uh, defensive player draft, especially in the first few rounds. Uh, I went with a guy who I was high on since basically last college uh, football season started, who I think should have went, who I would have taken number one if I was drafting for defense. Uh, I went with, uh, I think this one will make you happy. I went with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from Big Blue. Um, So from the Giants, edge rusher from the Giants. So uh, I would have taken him number one just based off the, the, the raw talent and tangibles. I feel like just he just looks like such a beast. He's so strong. I like his I like his ability to kind of just move offensive linemen out of the way and get to the quarterback. I think he has enormous upside. If he can uh, stay healthy, he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit. Uh, I, think, I think me and you were holding our breath for a little bit, hoping that he was okay. Looks like he said he's good, so I mean, hopefully he's good to go. They'll probably rest him this last game, give him a week off before the season starts. Uh, that's what I would do at least. But uh, huge upside in this guy, uh, and I really like what he brings to the table. And I think with a team that is not expected to do much, he could surprise some people, maybe similar to how a Micah Parsons kind of just came out of nowhere. Not in terms of he was very highly scouted and talented, but this nobody was expecting much from Dallas's defense, and they surprised some people. I think it's possible that maybe Kayvon Thibodeau can do the same and you know, rack up some sacks here and there because their teams are kind of maybe not playing, not playing the Giants to you know to to make a lot of noise. So I think it's possible, but I, I like his talent. Like I said, I would have taken him number one, but there are some other good choices. I won't name them because we're gonna see who you're gonna pick, but. I'm a believer in, in Thibodeau. I really love the pick when the, when the Giants made it. I think it was a great value at five for a guy who had number one talent. I thought it was a fantastic value for them. So uh, I'm high on him, and we'll see what happens. So, uh, Pat, who's your projected uh, defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I was definitely thinking about Thibodeau. I think the thing that scared me off was I saw he was going to be out for three to four weeks. And when you look at it, like the way you put it, it's like you have a week – another week of preseason, then a week off. And then, you know, maybe he only misses one game or two at most. Um, But yeah, that kind of impacted my thinking. I went with the guy who I feel like it was a conversation between him and and Thibodeau for number one, for most of the 
the lead up to the draft, but I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson on the Lions. Um, Michigan, you know, edge rusher out of Michigan. Um, you know, I like. I, I'll be honest. Like, I don't. I don't watch a ton of college football, and and I definitely don't know. I'm not an expert in like looking at someone in college football and being like, it, that's going to translate to the NFL. There's, you know, that's what scouts are for. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the hoops guru, not the pigskin prophet. So, you know, I, I have, I have limited knowledge of, of how a guy's going to look in the pros. Um, but Hutchinson was like a beast at Michigan. He was awesome. Um, and it just like looked like he belonged in a different league than everyone else, honestly. And he was in the big 10. It's not like, you know, he was playing, you know, in some, you know, mid major league or something like that. So he was kind of marketed as the most pro ready. Um, I think he's going to start right away on the lions. If, if you watch, um, hard knocks, the show on HBO, he's been featured in that a little bit. And so you kind of get a closer look at him. Seems just like a good kid, like just good head on his shoulders, plays his ass off um, really like every snap he's trying. His dad was, you know, an NFL player. It, it runs in the family. He, he's, he's very passionate about it. It's clear. So um, I'm going with, I'm going with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think it's a good story. Like, you know, kid from Michigan, you know, went to Michigan now plays for Detroit local kid, you know, probably is going to want to be there. Right. He, he feels an attachment to his, his state and, and probably to the city to some extent. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Hutchinson just based on availability and just I know he's going to be out there a lot. And and I think he is going to be a productive player in, in the league. Maybe he doesn't have the highest upside, but I do think right away he's, he's going to be an impact player. Yeah, great pick, homie. Uh, I say I was thinking pretty much a lot of the players that went two through five mm-hmm. to me are – are, I think, great picks to to win Defensive Rookie of the Year this year because I mean, it was a really uh, great draft for edge rushers, it seems like, and a great draft for corners, for DBs, mm-hmm. I should say. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that as well, but uh, great pick. Yeah. So yeah, sure. uh, we're going to move on to Coach of the Year. This is going to be a fun one. I can't wait to hear you got for this. So, Hoops Guru, who do you have for your projected Coach of the Year for this season? So this one is out of left field, at least for me, homie. Maybe not as much for you, but um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm going with a first time, first time, or not, I should say first time, but new head coach for this award. I'm going to go ahead and pick um, Josh McDaniels, which when, we, we, you know, listeners are probably right now calling me a hypocrite because when we did our, um, you know, our, our, our podcast about the new head coaching hires, I like wasn't super high on it. Just because I was like, yeah, Josh McDaniels, like, I think he's a good coordinator. I don't think he's great. He hasn't, you know, hasn't done great on his own without Belichick, all that stuff. But I just do think like the Raiders have a good team. And I think if they make the playoffs after the turmoil of Gruden leaving last year and then Bisaccio, like, you know, taking over and then him not getting the job, it's just it's been a lot of emotional turmoil, but they've also just made a lot of great additions to their team. And I think they're going to be good and, and they play in a tough division, but they've got talent at the, all the right positions. I think you got a good, great edge rusher and Crosby. You got a really good quarterback and Carr. You have the arguably the best receiver in the league and Adams plus a really, really good other receiving course. Um, you know, you've got decent running back. So um I just think they can end up being pretty good. And I think McDaniels, 
you know, we'll, we'll be able to maybe unlock a little more of that offense, honestly, than, you know, than Gruden was, or Passaccio, who's more of a, a special teams guy, was able to. Because McDaniels, for, for for everything, you know, people criticize him for, he is, you know, he, he the Patriots always had a pretty good offensive system. Now, some of that might have had to do with the guy playing quarterback. I don't know. Maybe, just maybe. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it's also – probably not fair to say, oh, McDaniels had nothing to do with that success. So um, I've, I've, I've come around a bit on that hire, as you've seen, and just like with where the Raiders are at, um, I, it, it's maybe a little bit of a dark horse, but he's the guy who I, who I think could get it. Like, especially if they, you know, if they win 11, 12 games, something like that, you know, for sure. Well, we got homie Harmony again. So there we go. Uh, I also have Josh McDaniels as my projected coach of the year. Uh, it's like a broken record at this point, either on the show or off the show. Uh, uh, the Raiders are a dark horse team for me. I'm really high on them. Uh, I think they could take take the West. I, I got them winning the West this year, AFC West. And I think if they win a division, I, I see with the storyline, like you said, uh, McDaniels should be right in the running for coach of the year, given all the turmoil. The last couple of years, I even had the Raiders as my slime ball of the week last year, just based off of all the horrible culture they had in the Gruden regime. Yeah. And I think, you know, turning a new page or a new leaf with a new regime, I think it's possible. And with the additions they've made and things of that nature, I think it's very possible that he could he could win coach of the year. Uh, looking back on our rankings, I had Josh McDaniels as my number two ranking right behind uh brian dable for a new hire so i was actually very high on josh mcdaniels um when they hired him and this was before you know Devontae adams chandler jones all these additions were made so i was high on them to begin with and now i'm even higher based on the moves they've made so uh i think it's very possible that he he's able to do it if the if the raiders make the playoffs i think he'd be a, a candidate for sure so uh homie harmony strikes again for so sure. um, we'll move on to comeback player of the year. So this was one that I feel like uh, I had this team in the playoffs, and I think if they do make the playoffs, then I don't really see a reason why this player would not make, would not win comeback player of the year, given off what the parameters seem to be for it. So I have uh, our guy, Tua Torch, Tua Tagovailoa, as my comeback player of the year. I think he's going to have a – I think this could be his breakout year. Uh, I've been high on him since the draft. I, I like uh, I like his intangibles. I love his leadership. I think he gets a really bad rap for being in a really toxic culture, and that includes uh, Brian Flores. Uh, I think he I think he never really believed in him, and when you have a coach that don't believe in you, uh, it doesn't really translate to success. Just ask Derek Carr uh, with having John Gruden as his coach who never really wanted him how that translates to success, it does not. So I think with all the moves they made, the additions, I think Mike McDaniel, I was kind of in the middle of the road on his hire, I would say. Um, but I think with the additions, I think him being an offensive mind in the Shanahan system and actually believing in Tua and wanting to see him succeed, I think Tua's going to have a nice year this year. I think the Dolphins will make the playoffs. So I'm going to go with that. I mean, I think just uh, the headline is all oh, Tua's, you know, he, they should have took Justin Herbert. Well, they didn't. And Tua's their quarterback, and they got to make do with it, right? But at the same time, if you just watch the Dolphins last year, 
when Jacoby Prissett was their quarterback. And, and when you see Tua came in with a an injured thumb, by the way, the offense was exponentially better just watching him play. Even if you just, just go back and watch tape from that Ravens game and just watch how they looked with Brissett and watch how they looked with an injured Tua and how much the offense was better with him and how much of a spark he gave. That's just the kind of guy that he is and the kind of leader that he is. So, I mean, I like – I'm I'm a big Tua guy. I'm a believer in Tua Torch. So, I, I'm going to – I'm going to – I think if the Dolphins make the playoffs, that he should be uh, a very likely choice to win this award. A homie, who do you got for your comeback player of the year? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Two is a good pick there. Um, I went with, I, I think, someone who uh, maybe, a, maybe a little bit of a chalk pick, but not necessarily. I went with Christian McCaffrey just because he's a guy who – has shown when he's healthy, he's the man. Like he, he can, he's the real deal. He is a dual threat, incredible runner, great receiver at his position, like makes, makes his team better. can be the center of an offense. Now it's a big risk because the last two seasons he hasn't been healthy and you know, it, it showed um, when he did get on the field, wasn't the same production. So this is kind of a bet on him after two seasons kind of being banged up, is finally healthy. Am I the biggest Carolina Panthers believer or fan? Um, no, we'll maybe get to that a little bit later. Uh, but I do think like if they, if they, if he can be the center of their offense and they can force feed him, he's, he can be very productive. He's, he's got the talent to do it. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, I, I don't think is going to really change the, you know, upside of this team too much, but I, I will concede. I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but I'll, I'll concede. He's, he's a definitely an upgrade over Darnold. Um, and, and what you got from Cam Newton last year too. So, um, you know, I just think maybe Carolina's offense is, is a little healthier, improves this year, a little more stability, and uh, McCaffrey probably gets the ball a lot. I would think he's he's the most talented player on that on that offense. So um, after two two bad campaigns, I could see that enough uh, to get him the award this year. Um, but yeah, any thoughts about McCaffrey? Do you do you think he's going to have a bounce back year? Um, I, I'm I'm interested in what the prophet has uh, foretold. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, homie. Like, he didn't even uh, run CMC, didn't even cross my mind, but yeah, that's a great pick for comeback. He's kind of a textbook comeback player of the year pick based off what we saw like, with Joe Burrow winning last year. Um, so I, I like that one a lot. I, I think he will if he stays healthy. That's just the thing with him, it's not necessarily a, an issue of offensive scheme, which they do have a uh infamous offensive coordinator, I would say, now that we know very well. So good luck to them. But I would say that uh, it's not really a matter of scheme or anything. I think he can play in any system. He's just that talented. I mean, he went for a thousand receiving and rushing. He's just, he's that talented. He's a two-way player. Um, he's a pass catching back and it's very valuable in today's NFL. It just, can he stay healthy? Like he's just been bitten by the injury bug the last few seasons. And it's, it's really, it's sad to watch because um, especially with running backs where they have such a short shelf life, uh, to see them uh, taking years away from their prime is 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 hard to watch sometimes. So I'm really rooting for him to have a good 
a bounce back year and stay healthy the whole year because I think uh, Carolina goes as far as he takes them. Uh, I mean, I know I like DJ Moore and some other players they have as well, but I think and I think like you said, uh, uh, Easy Bake Oven uh, Baker Mayfield I think is a significant upgrade over Sam Darnold, but I think it comes down to can you run the football and do you have a safety a security blanket in Christian McCaffrey if the play breaks down. So, I mean, I think I'm hoping he has a bounce back here, but we'll see, right? But um, I'm rooting for him. He seems like a really good dude. So let's uh, go on to our last of the traditional categories before we move on to our bonus categories, the executive of the year. So uh, I'm going to have Pat kick this one off. Pat, who was your executive of the year projected? Sorry about that. I muted myself there. Um, I got pretty uncreative with this one, and and I kind of just stuck with my same thinking for Coach of the Year um, with McDaniel's. I think if he pans out and they're good, then Dave Ziegler, the the, the new GM of uh, the Raiders, deserves some credit. Um, you know, he ultimately is the one who led to the McD- the McDaniel's hire, and you know they were both in the Patriots together, so. You can maybe argue that McDaniels wouldn't have left if it wasn't for him going to the Raiders. So he got McDaniels there, who, you know, obviously you had pretty high up on your, your you know, new coaching list. I probably, you know, I've admitted in hindsight I should have him higher um, than I did. But um, he traded for Devontae Adams, who, you know, if he has a huge year and is super successful – if the Chandler Jones uh, move really pans out well, I just think he 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 has come in and made enough big you know big you know notable moves that if it all works out for them, he's going to get a lot of credit. So um, you know, a lot of that team infrastructure was there before he got there, so he shouldn't get all of it. You know, Mayock and and Gruden did have some hand in 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 a lot of those pieces, but. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Ziggler just, and mostly just cause like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I never know who to pick for executive of the year. It's like, you know, sometimes these moves, you know, turn, turn out wonderfully. And sometimes they just backfire, um, you know, really quickly. So it, it can go either way for these guys, but who did you have homie? Yeah. So, uh, homie harmony again, I also have Dave Ziegler. As my executive of the year, like you said, I think I'm going to pretty much sum it up with he traded for Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, anytime you can get the best player in the league, in my opinion, at their position in the trade and not really give up uh, as much as you could have or should have and pay actually under what other players got paid that I think aren't as good, uh, that's a win for me. And I think if if they have success – then I think it's very possible that he's along with if Josh McDaniels was coach of the year, I can see they have a kind of a tandem thing and they give Dave Ziegler executive of the year as well. Uh, one of my, my, I guess if I had a second one who I was considering before I selected Dave Ziegler, possibly Brandon Bean, I think could be up for this award, the GM of the Bills with the Von Miller edition, like I said, Jameson Crowder, OJ Howard, things of that nature. Uh, I really like Kair Elam, who they drafted in late in the first round. I think he's going to come out to be a, a really solid uh, DB. 
But um, yeah, I'm also I'm agreeing with Dave Ziegler. So we got the homie harmony in half of the half of the categories. So we'll see how that works out. There you go. Pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, so so should we get into our special award categories now? The the profit picks of the week. Yeah. So let's uh, let's start with uh, offensive coordinator of the year. So uh, I'll start this one off, homie. Um, I'm gonna. I went with a guy who um, I think he's the team's gonna pick up where they left off last year. They hopefully there won't be too much of a hangover from the, the switch of losing the offensive coordinator to be a head coach. Uh, I went with Ken Dorsey, not necessarily because Ken Dorsey is my favorite offensive coordinator, but because I think that when you have an offense that's this potent with its quarterback as talented as, as Stud Allen, Josh Allen. Um, I think you can be you can reap the benefits of having a team that good. So uh, it's not necessarily my favorite coordinator. I think Ken Dorsey's a quarterback coach. He's done a good job. I think he will be a good coordinator. So it wasn't necessarily a matter of that. I just think a team is going to have a lot of success, and he's going to be a major component of that or proponent of that. Uh, I went with Ken Dorsey from the Bills. So uh, who do you got, Pat? Well, homie, once again, we are we are really <laughs> harmonizing this episode because I picked Ken Dorsey for the same exact reasons. I just think this offense, we both are anticipating it being really good. It's also like, you know, he's a first-time coordinator, but he was under he was he 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 was a coordinator under Dable. And so, you know, the system doesn't switch up that much. You kind of pick up where Dable left off, and I think that kind of gives him a leg up. A little bit and you know when you've got who we think is an mvp candidate at quarterback and a really explosive offense i think you know that all just adds up and and at him at being like a first time coordinator he's just going to get a lot of buzz so um yeah like i'm with you like do i think he's going to be the best offensive coordinator in the league probably not but he's he very well may be the coordinator of the best offense and that matters right like that that is what a lot of people vote on. So I, I'm with you there. So another homie harmony. We're on a roll here. Yeah. And just to be fair, uh, I like the Ken Dorsey hire. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why not bring a guy who kind of worked under Brian Dable, who we both are uh we both really like. So I mean I like the Ken Dorsey hire. So I'm not trying to throw shade at him. I think it's a I think it made a lot of sense for Buffalo to kind of keep things the way they were. Like I said, if it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it. Yeah, for so, sure. So, uh, defensive coordinator of the year, uh, I went with a guy who I think I who has a is going to coordinate a really good defense, maybe the best in the league. We'll see. And somebody who I like, somebody who I think uh, will eventually get some head coaching interviews and be a head coach, and I think they should be. Uh, I went with uh, D'Amico Ryan's, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. Uh, I really like D'Amico Ryans. I think I like the way he runs his defense. I think the, the Niners are going to be humming on defense. They're just so loaded and so talented. And I don't think they're going to miss a beat this year. Like I said, we'll see if Nick Bosa can stay healthy. Hopefully he can, and the rest of the players can stay healthy. But I think uh, I really like the way that they – he kind of he runs defense in terms of – you can tell that he you know, gets players in position. If you watch him, he's very animated on the sideline. And you can tell a lot of his players really love to play for him, and that's what I've heard from interviews and things of that nature. He's just a great leader. And I think that that's kind of an asset to have, especially in a defensive end when we're in such an offensive-minded league. And to have a coach that, you know, played the game, knows the game inside and out, 
and can motivate guys who are already very talented to be even better. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. So I'm, I'm really, I like the Nico Ryan's quite a bit. So I'm going to go with him for my uh, preseason defensive coordinator of the year. So homie, who, who's yours? Let the harmony keep rolling. Oh my brother. goodness! Wow. Yep. I I went with Dorsey, and it, it it was just the same logic I used for offensive coordinator. Like new new to the position. Well, Dorsey Dorsey semi new. It, it's it's slightly different, but you know, basically inheriting an, an incredible unit, and who I think is going to be really good, and just you know. You know, the, there's a reason the Shanahan coordinators keep getting picked off. Like he he does like say what you will about his coaching. He knows how to find good coordinators. He he does it every year. Um, you know, whether it's on offense or defense. So um yeah, I'm I'm with you. I just think they they're loaded on defense. That team is loaded. I'm with you. They're probably maybe the most talented team top to bottom. I think the the reason they're they maybe are getting a little overlooked is just the you know, new quarterback thing. But um, yeah, I think, I think this defense is going to, again, be awesome. Um, again, be one of the best in the league and yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get credit. And, you know, the, again, the Shanahan guys are very popular. The, you know, both of us listen to podcasts and, you know, read, read articles on all the sites and, you know, Shanahan, his him and his coaches are very popular amongst the media who who vote on this stuff, and so I can just very very clearly see this happening again, just from that standpoint as well. Not that he's not deserving. I, I do think he is a good coordinator. He's gonna gonna have a lot of success this year. Yeah, I mean it's his second year, so obviously I think he'll continue to grow there. And just being, and we also saw uh, he worked under Robert Saleh. Who is mm-hmm. now the head coach of the Jets? Who I think was very successful as the DC of the Niners. Uh, he obviously became a head coach because of his because of his coaching talent. So I think working under him, uh, it's kind of a Dorsey situation, except this is his second year instead of his first. But uh, yeah, so man, the harmony is just—it's humming today, my guy. It is. Oh yeah. So uh, our next category: comeback team of the year. So. I I went with a is it it's a uh is it your turn or my turn I can't really remember I'll just go with it I don't uh, remember you go ahead yeah you I'll go, go ahead it. I'll go ahead <laughs> so uh comeback team of the year I went with a team that I think is going to make the playoffs we just talked about them for comeback player of the year uh, I'm taking the Miami Dolphins I think everything that could go wrong did go wrong last year and they still were eight and nine I believe. So they weren't really that they had a they lost like seven games in a row and then won seven games in a row off the top of my head. I think that's the right number. But uh, it was a disaster from ownership on down. So I think if they make the playoffs, there's a huge turnaround. It's a great uh a great story. Everyone down on Tua, like we talked about. It's a great narrative for comeback team of the year if they do make the playoffs. So I'm gonna go to the Miami Dolphins. Who do you got, Pat? Good pick. This this to me was probably the hardest hardest category um, to pick, um, just because yeah, like if you know for these ones that are the the profit specials, we don't have like historical precedent to go off of. So I'm really just like, well, who should be the comeback team of the year? I think what what I settled on was a team I thought should have been a playoff team last year, like you with the Dolphins, and j- kind of just 
because of a combination of bad circumstances, including a very aggro coach, um, didn't, didn't make it. So I'm going with the Chargers, who basically got knocked out of the playoffs in pretty heartbreaking fashion last year. Um, it, some, <laughs> just some, we, we talked after that game, and I was like, what did I just watch? Um, some really questionable decisions by the Chargers coaching staff. It was, it was a great game. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was really entertaining to watch. Um, but, yeah, like, it came really close to making the playoffs and didn't. And I do think I had them making the playoffs this year, which am I super confident in that? No. You know, I, I told you, you know, last season when we were doing these picks about the chargers, you shouldn't trust them. And then I went ahead and picked them. So, um, but I do think like they have enough talent, you know, their, their coach, I don't think can, can mess it up so bad that a team this talented isn't a playoff team. And so I think if they can like get out of the first round, get out of the wild card round um, and get into the second round, it'll be a pretty big success. The chargers. Yeah. Haven't really been in the playoffs for a while. They were, you know, when we were younger, like when we were, you know, probably like, you know, 10 to 15 age or, or so, yeah, that, that range, the Chargers were great. They were, they were perennial contenders. And um, I, I'd like to see them kind of get back to that place uh, at some point, hopefully this season. So yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the Chargers for this one, homie. P. Moore being aggressive with those picks. Just like <laughs> the Chargers coach. Very aggressive, homie. I like it. It makes sense. Um, they're too talented to not make the playoffs, but I think I've made my feelings known about Brandon Staley as a coach. So we'll see. But uh, it's a good pick. They should make the playoffs. I didn't pick them to. Um, so <laughs> that's what I think about last the, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah they got they got me. They got me. They, got they, they did yeah. me dirty yeah. last year. They did. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think. Let's move on to our last category. It's fitting that you open this one. This was actually uh, the Hoops Guru actually came up with this one, which I really like. A special teams player of the year. Uh, just to intro it a little bit, uh, we're probably one of the only only NFL-based podcasts that I know of that really loves kickers. I listen to a lot. I'm not saying we're the only one, but I haven't really heard any that loves kickers as much as we do. We just It's a lot of fun to root for the kickers, um, especially we're talking about one of our favorites, uh, we'll give him a shout out just because I love his name, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, who plays for oh, yeah. uh, plays for Indy with Specs. the with the throwback specs as his nickname is a hot rod with those throwback goggles. I just love I just love that. So we love kickers on the show. So uh, special teams player of the year, P. Moore. Who do you have as your special teams player of the year? It can be obviously a kicker. It can be anybody on who plays special teams. Yeah, so I I told you before the podcast because you know we we kind of both we agreed we'd caveat this with I think there's an un, we we both think there's an undisputed best special teams play in the league and it's Justin Tucker. I mean he's he's the greatest kicker of all time um, and is I I I had mentioned to you today I was like I don't know besides like Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Donald if anyone in the league are as good at their position as Justin Tucker is at kicking the football, his numbers are insane. So we have to caveat on it with that, but you know, it's one of those things where like you, you had mentioned like, you know, at a certain point they stopped giving MJ the MVP, even though he was clearly the best player. And so that's kind of the, 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 
the, the approach I'm taking. It's like, yes, obviously Justin Tucker deserves it, but let's talk about someone else. And I told you, I'm giving you a curveball here. I am going with a rookie punter, and you may have guessed this one. The the new, uh, they just announced he is the new punter for the Bills. He, he won the training camp battle. Uh, Matt, uh, I don't know if he pronounces it Areza or Araiza, uh, but A-R-A-I-Z-A. Um, he's the punter for the Bills. And this is a guy that I've actually been a fan of, believe it or not, um, before he was on the Bills, where obviously me and you both like the Bills. We were for the Bills. Um, but this is a guy who he was on my radar even when he was in college. He played at San Diego State, and he played in the Mountain West. So me me and you, homie, both you know went to the great uh, University of Wyoming, and we played in the Mountain West division. Uh, against San Diego State, and um, so sometimes I do follow that that league a bit, and um, yeah, he was on San Diego State, and this dude was crushing the ball in college. He was like kicking 80, 90-yard punts, um, insane, insane leg strength. Um, he, you know, it, it helps. He played in the, the Mountain West League, so, you know, he played at high altitudes, which um, – you know, I'm not like a physicist, but, you know, balls travel further in thinner air. Um, so if people say it's like easier to kick at Mile High Stadium, for example, things like that. And so I think he got, you know, some people thought he got the benefit of playing in Laramie, if playing in Fort Collins against Colorado State, you know, playing in some of these, you know, Boise State, like higher elevation places. But you know, he played in a Bills preseason game and he literally kicked that thing 82 yards. He was like on his own, like 10 or 20 and kicked it into the other team's end zone. And the reaction of the the broadcasters is hilarious. They're like, what? What?" <laughs> he was like, oh my God. <laughs> like the guy's like, what just happened? And so this guy's got this unreal leg. And now we, we just got finished talking about how good we think the Bills offense is going to be. So I don't know how many opportunities he'll get to punt it, but I think they're going to like, they're just going to always have really great field position because of how deep he can kick it. Even if they have a three and out, he's going to be able to like really get it down to the other side of the field. Then the, the field flips, you've got it on your own, you know, you 40 or 50 or whatever. And it's a, it's a good situation. So um, I'm going to go with, with Matt Araiza or Areza, however he's, he, he pronounces it. And, uh, yeah, he, I'm, I'm really excited to watch him this year and I hope he, uh, keeps bombing 80 yard punts. So that's my special teams player of the week. Oh, man, I, think that, I think that's my favorite of your picks. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I pronounce it Matt Araiza. I don't know if that's Araiza. the way he pronounces it. Araiza. It looks like to me. That's what it could, looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I could be wrong, though, but that's the way I just, this is the way I do it, but I don't know. Yeah. Great pick. Uh, I saw that punt. It was fantastic. I was like, yeah, it was dope. awesome. <laughs> so I love that. So uh, the funny thing is, I almost went with uh, him and or I almost went with the kick, their kicker. Yeah, uh, who I Big who Leg I affectionately Bass. named Big Leg Bass, Tyler Bass, who I really like as well. So yeah, they're yeah. Uh, the Bills are are looking good uh, from their 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 kicking situation. Looks pretty good to me. So I mean, it just yeah. it just you know the rich get richer, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that. 
I forgot to mention he on Twitter he was given the nickname uh punt god, <laughs> like a play nice. on point god. Nice. <laughs> it's like all punt, punt god. god. I love which that. I also think is good. <laughs> I love that. That's dope. Yeah. That's a that's a homie of the week territory right there. Nice. Mm, yeah. Um I have uh I went with uh, Daniel Carlson, who's the kicker for the Raiders. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he led the league in scoring two times. Uh, I think it's possible. I think he's a fantastic kicker. We he's actually the funny thing is he's the the kicker who sent the uh, the aggressive Chargers home last year, and the Raiders made the playoffs and not the Chargers. Mm-hmm. So he nailed that kick, and he it was like right down Broadway. Uh, I think he's a, to me he's probably like a top three kicker in the league. I'd say I really like him. Big leg. Accurate, like I said, led the league in scoring two times. Uh, the Raiders' offense is going to be pretty potent, so I can see him getting a lot of opportunities for field goals and extra points and that stuff. So, uh, not as fun of a story as yours, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I like my pick as well, but yours was dope. I love it. So, Daniel Carlson's mine. Picks. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's a fun one. I do. We'll we'll try to definitely like shout out our special teams guys throughout the year just because everyone ends up talking about the quarterbacks and the pass rushers and you know we got to give our kickers some love we had a lot of dope kickers we got the chalet leg we got a you know big leg bass we got justin tucker the goat we got we got to we got to of course shout out those guys sometimes and we got we got specs hot rod specs yeah specs <laughs> slash hot rod <laughs> oh man it's fun it's it's, it's fun to be uh it's fun to be a kicker. Just since we're on the subject, uh, I also saw that uh, that the chalet leg Evan McPherson, his nickname is also Money Mac, which I think is pretty dope too. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, which is dope too. Money I love Mac. the chalet leg, but Money Mac is also his nickname as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's good. Oh man, yeah. it's, it's so much fun. So, um, yeah, that was our that was our uh, our pigskin preseason award picks. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was great. Uh, yeah, we'll see too. how how right or wrong we are uh, when the season mm-hmm. starts in a couple weeks. But uh, I'll kick it over to uh, to Patrick and let him kind of introduce uh, our topic we've been doing since day one. Yeah, so it's our our oldest segment, our our tried and true segment, slime ball of the week. Uh, so we're gonna be shouting out. Uh, some guys who were just particularly slimy this last week in either their actions or their words. Um, again, we do try to keep this segment a little lighter. We understand there's like, you know, serious allegations of terrible stuff involving athletes. And we try not to get too much into that because it gets, you know, blasted so much on ESPN and, you know, all the sports sites and, I think, you know, we try to have a little more fun and like, we're not, you know, we're, we're not trying to always necessarily call out guys who are, you know, actual criminals and, and terrible, terrible people necessarily, but it is fun to call out some slime balls. And this week we we're, we're doing a collab because we, we both kind of, you know, we're trying to find someone to, to call out and, and uh, Matt, you really, um, you you really shed the light on this issue this week. So why don't why don't you intro this? You this is you, you were the one who kind of brought this one to me, and uh, you know revealed the sliminess in in all its glory. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners who who are going to be uh, sliming this week? Okay, so I'm going to keep it uh, eight more than ninety two with the listeners here. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't one that really jumped out at me. So yeah. what I did was I uh, I was like you know what let me watch. 
undisputed. So <laughs> it only took two segments, and I'm like, there it is. Slime Ball of the Week. So uh, our, our collaborative Slime Ball of the Week is one Skipper Bayless. Now, Skipper Bayless is, you know, infamous for his horrible takes and things of that nature, but it's just it's just a gift that keeps on giving when it comes to slime ball in the week. <laughs> and I will I will say this. I actually like Skipper. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, I think he's hilarious. I don't hate the guy. I just think his takes are outlandish. And I, I think yeah. a lot of that's on purpose. Uh talking to Deuce about it off the show. Deuce says Deuce feels that he's he does this because he knows what what kind of sells and gets you know people to watch and stuff. Like he knows what he's doing. There's a method to the madness, yeah. I guess you could say. So I'm not. I think a lot of it, you know, with the the whole uh, basketball Baron versus Air Jordan talk and all this stuff. He knows what gets people to watch. He understands mm-hmm. it. He's an entertainer first and foremost. So I'm gonna say that. But yeah, I don't. I do not hate Skipper. I think he's hilarious. Sometimes for all the wrong reasons, but he is. So he is our slam ball of the week, though. I mean, it's it's fair. And pretty much, so they're talking about the the Baker Mayfield saga uh, in Carolina. He was named the starter officially. He will start week one against Cleveland. And um, I was rolling my eyes a lot during this segment because a lot of it was just, some of the things he was saying was just absurd because before Carolina had traded for Baker and when they were in talks to possibly acquire him, he had said things like, um, oh, they're a clown show. Matt Rule doesn't know what he's doing. They're a terrible organization. I hope he doesn't go there. Uh, you know, it would be a disaster. That's the one team I don't want him to go to. And now that he is the starter and he beat Sam Darnold out, uh, he, he loves the Panthers. They're his favorite team in the whole world besides the Cowboys. Uh, he, can't, he can't get enough of them. So some quotes I pulled from him is he said, quote, Baker chose Carolina because he liked what he saw, end quote. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that I think Baker Mayfield chose Carolina because he just didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore and he wanted to get out of that ridiculous situation he was put in. And he's like, you know what? If i got to eat some money to get out of here, I'm going to do that. I don't think he sat and was like, man, if all these teams want me, I'm, I'm going to pick Carolina. That's where I want to go. I think he was like, well, this is the only one that seems viable since uh, Coach Carroll, Pete Carroll doesn't know what he's doing in Seattle at this point. He just fell asleep or sitting at the wheel here. And would rather have Drew Locke and Geno Smith, who I actually like Geno Smith, but still. Uh, so I don't believe that. I think it was just kind of like beggars can't be choosers to an extent. And I actually think Baker Mayfield is a significant upgrade over Sam Darnold. Yeah. And I think he's an above average quarterback slightly. Like I said it a thousand times. You can win with him, but I don't think you'll win necessarily because of him. Um, he also said, quote, I love this team. <laughs> um, I've never heard Skipper talk about the Panthers in depth very much at all. Uh, I think he did when the Cam Newton's Panthers made the Super Bowl. And then I think he did maybe for the, like the whole week, because, you know, they talk about the Cowboys a thousand times a show, 10 times, 10 segments on the Cowboys, and then one minute on some other team. Uh, when they were playing the Cowboys in week four and the Panthers were undefeated, he was trying to hype them up, you know, number one defense, this and that. So I don't really think he's, been the most diehard Panthers fan. I think he's being a bit disingenuous. So it was me and P more like to say a front runner. Uh, so there was that. And also, apparently, if you listen to his his segment, which we both listened to, he's uh, DJ Moore's number one fan now. And he's naming off a lot of players on the team. Oh, I love this player. I love that player, this and that. 
And I'm pretty sure, I don't think he knew who most of those players were or that they even played for Carolina before Baker Mayfield was traded there and he started studying up on that. So uh, I'm going to call a front runner on this, and I think it's a lot of nonsense. He also went into how the Madden projections have uh, the NFC South as the toughest division, and he really believes that. And I'm just like, you're insane because the AFC West, all those teams uh, I think would are significantly better than, than all the teams in the, in the NFC South except for Tampa Bay. So I'm like, he's crazy with that. It just was a lot of front running, and it's it's just ridiculous. Like I don't know how how he could sit there with a straight face and pretend that he's like in love with the Panthers just because he loves Baker Mayfield so much. And to cap this off before I get uh, Pat to unleash on this, as he likes, as as Skipper likes to say, I will launch really quick and say that. He keeps telling Shannon Sharp, and he said this in the this, in this, in this segment again. Now, I haven't really watched. I, I took a hiatus from it because I couldn't take it anymore during hoop season because it's so bad. Uh, the pigskin stuff is tolerable because, of course, Shannon Sharp is a Hall of Famer. And even though I disagree with almost all of his takes, he knows the game. Obviously, he was a great player. So I won't take that away from him. But uh, I will say he always he keeps – Skipper keeps telling Shannon Sharp, well, before that draft, you thought Sam Darnold should have went number one. I thought Baker Mayfield should have went number one. I'm going to be proven right. And I'm like, well, you're both wrong because Josh Allen <laughs> and Lamar Jackson were in that yeah. draft. So you're both way off, dead wrong. Neither one of you was even close. Those guys are in the, not even the same galaxy. Like Mayfield, <laughs> despite what I think about him as being above average, uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, one has an MVP and one probably will win one soon. So there's just no way. So you're both wrong. So it's not really a great point to bring up, but he's been riding this Baker train. He just wants to be right so bad. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what happens. You will never be right that Baker Mayfield should have went number one. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's bad. He just should have went number one. But all that being said, it was hilarious. That really, he's riding the Carolina Panthers train now. And if Baker Mayfield plays for some random team, if he plays for Seattle next year or something, he'll love Seattle next year too. He's just such a front runner. It blows my mind. He just follows these players to whatever team they play for. Similar to the way Shannon Sharp is a huge Lakers fan now, even though his favorite player when he was growing up, he said was Larry Bird, who, if I remember correctly, played for Boston, whose biggest rival was the Lakers. Right, homie? Am I right about that? Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a big rivalry, like something with Magic Bird, something, right? I'm fuzzy on that. So similar to the way he follows you know, the basketball baron everywhere he goes, Cleveland and Cleveland's dead to him now because the, the basketball baron plays in L.A. It's just ridiculous. So just front running with this stuff. But I had to call Skipper out on it, and obviously the hoops guru agreed. So, Pat, uh, why don't you go ahead and unleash on this one as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a long time where, I, I you know, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd, I'd see Skipper, Skip, and Shannon on TV, and I would, I would think, how in God's name does it? This guy get paid to do this. And now I realize I just watched that dude today in a video you sent me spew absolute horseshit for 10 minutes and not break a facade at all. Which looked completely serious about it while saying the dumbest shit I've ever heard and, and maintaining that straight face. And, you know, I got to admit, like deserve the big bucks, big bucks for that. For him, him to not like break out laughing at his own stuff is funny. Because all I have to say is, 
if or when Baker Mayfield loses the starting job or it doesn't work out in Carolina, they're going to go from, oh, they're a good team. I always liked them. I'm DJ Moore's number one fan to the exact opposite. Oh, it's a dumpster fire. Baker got put in this terrible position. Oh, their offense has nothing, no talent. So I'm just really excited for that to not work out in Carolina because I can't wait to see Skip have to try to walk this stuff back. The, the, the Baker Mayfield stuff is insane because, listen, we get becoming very attached to certain players. We're both huge Josh Allen fans. And we'll root for him probably wherever he goes. Maybe there are some teams, there there are definitely some teams off limits, but we'll root for him basically wherever he goes. But but Josh Allen's incredible. He's like an amazing quarterback, like, you know, MVP candidate, you know, next face of the league, you know, and, and you could say the same thing about Lamar. Like these are guys that they attract fans for good reason. They're amazing. Baker Mayfield is an average quarterback who happened to go to OU. So Skip's obsessed with him. And it's like, dude, and and he can't get it out kind of out of his head. Like this guy is okay. He's solid. He is not a star quarterback. And no, there at no point is he going to like justify him going number one. Lamar and, and, and Josh Allen are better players than him. And that's okay. But he just he can't let go of this stuff. Like it, it's it's really insane. So um, when it all goes south, the the Panthers will be the worst organization he's ever seen. Never seen such dysfunction, terrible offensive talent, um, all of that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that moment because we will we will revel in it. I'm sure. Oh man, it's, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's talked about how the he has the Panthers as a wild card team. Uh, Baker Mayfield is going to single-handedly save Matt Rule's job, and Ben McAdoo is going to suddenly become a good coach. Even though me and you were very low on him, uh, I will say this: so I will keep it real. I did say last week that the Panthers could be a dark horse to maybe get yeah. that seven spot in the NFC because the NFC to me is not loaded at the bottom. The, the bottom, the last three wild card spots are completely up for grabs. So I'm I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina had the seventh spot. I'm not saying that he's wrong for thinking they could win the wild card. It's just the fact that now he's pretending like this is his favorite team is ridiculous. It's insane to me. Uh it, it's front running at its best. Absolutely ridiculous. And if they don't make the playoffs, uh Matt Rule will he should have got fired last year. He shouldn't be there. And I think Matt Rule is a bad coach. I'm just gonna keep that real. I, I think his talent might take him to the seventh seed, but uh, Matt Rule, I, I wouldn't have hired him in the first place, but I definitely wouldn't have brought him back. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. But yeah, it's just it's 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 insane, man. The front running on a lot of these shows is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, with that being said, before I get to our special announcement regarding this pick, any more thoughts on on uh, our friend uh, Skipper Bayless before I get into the special announcement regarding him? No, no, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, homie. You got uh, it. So, got yeah, it. so as we know, uh, we have a couple of special special places that these that these individuals who get picked for homie of the week and slime ball of the week can go. We have the Hall of Slime and the Hall of Homies. So in the Hall of Slime, we have we had our first inductee when Deuce was on the show several episodes ago of uh, as we like to call him Uncle Steve, Stephen A. Smith. 
was selected. It takes four four selections. It doesn't have to be all separate weeks. It can be just four total. And you were eligible for the Hall of Slime. So with us doing a collab here, Skipper Bayless is now at five selections, which is the, the show record so far. So <laughs> Skipper Bayless is now eligible for our Hall of Slime to join, fittingly, Uncle Steve, Stephen A. Smith. So I will put it to you, Patrick. Do you vote Skipper Bayless into the Hall of Slime? I do. He there's there's no one after Stephen A. Smith who belongs there more. <laughs> and it's it's it makes perfect sense that they're the first to win together. <laughs> well, Stephen A. first, but those two be the first two makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm also going to agree. I will say yes, and I will welcome Skipper Bales into the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast Hall of Slime with Uncle Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I think it's the irony is hilarious and astounding. Uh, we did not plan this. This is just the way it works. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Skipper Bayless, welcome to the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast Hall of Slime. We got to find a way to get them. Uh, like, we got to get, you know how, uh, you know, when they go into the Hall of Fame, they get the gold jackets. We get the the bright neon green. Uh, yeah, like, like a slimer. Slime yeah. Like Nickelodeon slime, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to get them. We got to get those and we can send them to uh, Hall of Slime inductees. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well-deserved. Uh, Skip and, and Stephen A, I think, represent two, you know, kind of what what we tend to hate about sports media in general it's just like a lot of like hot takes and you know front running and and just you know getting clicks getting views saying ridiculous stuff just to get eyes on the screen uh you know that's i i don't love that so these two guys being you know in there together uh former co- former co-hosts uh now each leading their own separate slimy segments so uh yeah congratulations to them too and uh now now listeners know why you brought your the the champagne of pop today homie yeah it was a special occasion i had a feeling that he was going to get voted in uh so yes he did and congrats once again to skipper bayless on the hall slime induction so uh as we like to do let's end the show on a positive note some positive vibes out there and let's pick our homies of the week homies of the week is a person place or thing in sports that we want to give some love to, get a shout out, send some positive vibes their way. So since I started our collab for Slime Ball of the Week, how about you, Pat? How about you uh, tell me who's your homie of the week for this week? Yeah, so my homie of the week, this is quite a turnaround because this this could have been someone who at some point could have been up for a, uh, a Slime Ball of the Week uh, at certain times. But I'm going with... Um, Sean Marks, the GM of of the Nets. Now, do I think Sean Marks has done a great job in handling everything that's happened with the Nets? Not really. I think he gave Kyrie and KD way too much, uh, not not to use a derogatory term, but like too much leash, like too much leeway to, you know, try to have their say and have like sway over where the 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 organization is going. And, and it backfired. It, it's been a complete disaster. Let's let's be honest. These, this team was the front runners to win the NBA championship. And two years later, you know, we, we don't know what to make of them. Um, but I do respect the fact that 
he had a star player put pressure on him, demand a trade. Um, and he got, you know, like we said, probably got a lot of offers for Kevin Durant. And it sounds like just didn't, you know, just didn't, wasn't going to take a lesser offer just to get a headache off of his hands, which I think is sometimes like GMs and the NBA do a little too quickly. I think sometimes like the players, like I want to trade and then like almost immediately it's like, okay, cool. We'll trade you. And it's like, you didn't want to like try to work things out, talk things through like adults, like figure out something that works. You know, it just seems like a lot of them are very quick to give up on something, you know, and, and because they're like, oh, well, you know, I got to try to get as much as I can for them. And I think Mark's, you know, rightly was like, no, like you're going to give me a giant haul of picks and players for Kevin Durant or you're not getting him. And he stuck to that. And eventually, you know, I think KD was kind of trying to create some leverage for himself, talking about, you know, I want to be traded. I don't want to, you know, I, I, it's either me or, you know, the front office and Steve Nash, all that stuff. Like he was trying to get himself some leverage um, and Marks didn't bite. And he was like, fine. No, you know what? We got you under co- contract for four years. So you're not going anywhere unless we want you to. And I got to respect them for that, you know, and he uh, ultimately sounds like came around and they sold him on the plan moving forward and he's back in the mix. And, you know, they they could be a competitive team this year when really I think all of us expected them to be an absolute dumpster fire. So got to give him props for that. Um, You know, to an extent, I will acknowledge he kind of got himself into the situation by kind of inviting those guys and giving them so much agency over what the team would look like. Like, I mean, this guy traded Afro Thunder, our guy, Jared Allen, didn't need to, like could have kept him, but traded him so that DeAndre Jordan could start because he's homies with those two. Like, think about that. That is malpractice. So I don't want to say he's been perfect in by any means. And Bill Simmons actually had a good pod recently kind of talking about like, you know what, like Sean Marks isn't getting enough criticism and to an extent, I do agree. Like he hasn't handled this great, but I'm specifically calling him out for not not throwing in, you know, the towel and giving up KD for, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, a, a couple decent players and three picks. Like that, that just wouldn't have been fair value. So um, that's why I'm going with him for my homie of the week. But uh, yeah, curious to see who you have this week, Matt. Yeah, very open minded pick, homie. I respect that. I do. I think it's a situation where you can look at it uh, from a pessimistic or an optimistic way. Mm -hmm. I like the way you kind of broke it down. So I I respect that. I really do. Uh, I'm going to go with a – I'm going to stay in the association, as I like to say, and I'm going to pick somebody who kind of epitomizes the culture and they're a a huge part of what a team wants to do and where they're headed. And I'm going to go with Udonis Haslam, the Predator, as I like to call him, when he was rocking the the braids UD. back in the day. Yeah, UD. So he is uh, coming back for his 20th season all with the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. He's the third player. He will be the third player ever to have played 20 seasons with a single franchise, along with Dirk and uh, Bryant from the Lakers. He uh, – Kind of epitomizes what Miami wants to do. I want to say this is his fifth consecutive summer. He signed a deal with Miami, and he signed a one-year, $2.9 million deal to come back to Miami. 
he plays very sparingly, mostly in, you know, blowout games and mop-up duty and things of that nature. But his value is much more on the Miami Heat culture, and he's kind of a coach on the bench mm-hmm. for, for Miami. And I really respect that, and we've talked about that before. Uh, we saw with the the uh, the Jimmy Butler situation mm-hmm. last, last uh, season – uh, things got heated, and Udonis has him pretty much put him in his place and says, "Yo, this is you know, just don't don't try me." Basically, <laughs> he didn't say that. He said something else, but basically, that's what it was. He's like, "No," he's like, "Homie, don't play that. We don't do that here." So uh, I like that. I like those type of players. He kind of went from a guy who was, I believe, he was undrafted. He played a year overseas and then came, and he's been two decades in Miami. So we love the underdog story. He epitomizes that. And I want to say the last few years, he's made like $15 million for – it just shows how invaluable he is to Miami. And his this offer was offered to him uh, at the beginning of the summer. And he took a couple months, and he said he made a promise to his parents, who are both no longer with us, that he was going to play 20 years. This is going to be his last year, he said. But I expect him to transition right into uh, being on Eric Spolcher's coaching staff. As soon as he retires, I don't know why he wouldn't if he wants to coach. And I think he just loves hoops. Uh, I think he'd be a great, a great assistant coach. And I could even see him eventually maybe being a head coach, depending on how things work for him and what his career aspirations are post uh, playing basketball. So uh, I just want to give him some love. I really respect that. 20 years of the same team is uh, basically unheard of. Only It's only the third guy in the history of the league, 75 years to do it, 76 years now to do that. Uh, very impressive. I want to give him some love. So Udonis Haslam is a guy who maybe the the average Hoops fan doesn't know, but it's someone that I feel like they should know and should get some respect for what they do uh, in the locker room. And it shows that, you know, playing Hoops is not just about your production on the court. I think it's on what, on what you bring to a team. I think considering the uh, Kevin Durant situation that we talked about, this kind of epitomizes – what you're looking for in a leader. You don't have to be the best player. You just have to be the best teammate. And I think uh, his teammates love having him there. And Miami does as well. So congrats to him on coming back for his 20th season. Uh, any thoughts yeah. on that, Hoops Guru? Great pick. I mean, Haslam is, I would say, maybe the ideal version of a guy who's not the most talented, not the best player, but knows his role and like knows knows what his team needs from him emotionally. And I, I think he's just a good role model for any players who are coming in and, you know, not necessarily going to be a star in the league. And, you know, it, it does, I think it becomes clear usually for most guys pretty early on, whether you're on, on trajectory to be a star or a role player. And I think he just, you know, Miami Heat fans, I mean, their favorite player of all time might be Udonis Haslam. And he was never the best player on their team. Probably was never even the third best player on their team. But he meant a lot to that team. And I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for guys like that. And definitely a strong place in my heart for, like, role players who have that kind of meaning on a team. Like, you know, you're a Bulls fan. You know what what guys like Horace Grant and, you know, know, Steve Kerr and and those guys. DJ Armstrong, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they are important. 
Um, so, you know, I think it's good for him. He'll definitely, I, I imagine, be involved with the Heat in some way um, after he retires from the league. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It would be, be cool. He's definitely uh, deserve. he's earned the respect, of, I think, of, of most people who follow the NBA. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool to see him getting 20 years in the league. Uh, that's 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 definitely and with, and with one team really. Yeah. Like you said, pretty unheard of. So um, good for good for you, D. Um, he's been rock solid since he's joined the league. So uh, shout out to him. Yeah, and just a couple more things. He's a three-time champion. He's been to the finals. I want to say six times. Sounds I want to say I want off the top of my head. I want to say six. He won yeah, three six because mm-hmm. because uh, um, he also so that's uh, he's just six times in the finals. He's won three championships, uh, and he also during the whole decision era with you know the basketball baron and all that, he actually took less money to make sure that Miami could sign those, the big three. And he stayed mm-hmm. with Miami instead of going to, I think Dallas was a team that offered him a contract and he took a last to stay in Miami. Cause he, you know, for the betterment of the team. And obviously it worked out. He won a couple more titles. So yeah, congrats to you. Dallas has them. I think uh, I was really happy to make him my homie of the week. And I will say spoiler alert. Uh, if, and when he does retire at the end of the year, he'll I'll very likely make him my homie of the week once again. So, yeah, that's uh, that's our our show. Episode thirty is in the books. Uh, I had a lot of fun, homie. It was it was a great time. Uh, I want to say appreciate you to the listeners. We it means a lot to us for you to check us out. Just two guys who just love shooting the breeze about hoops and pigskin, and we we're glad that you could join us. Any uh, closing yeah. thoughts before we get out of here? No, I had a great time. It was fun doing our picks for these awards. It'll be really funny to like go back and see how wrong we were about some of them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I always love doing these lists and making these predictions and yeah, great episode. We all, uh, you know, we'll see the, we'll, we'll catch up with the listeners soon in the next week or so. And, um, yeah, we're getting closer to, to the NFL season kicking off. I think things will be slow on the NBA side, but we'll be able to definitely dive in on some, some football. So really excited for that. And, uh, yeah, of course, thank you to the listeners. Uh, we appreciate you listening, even if you only listen to the first 30 minutes or the first hour, whatever it is, we we, we appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much. And we hope everyone has a great week. Uh, peace out, homies. All right, we'll talk to you later.